Hey friends, Andy Crow here. I'm incredibly excited for you to join me in episode two of the Impact Sessions podcast this week, the podcast where we dive deep into social innovators, tools, tips, and tricks, and how they've come to do what they've been doing and hopefully find something of use for us on our impact journeys. If you happen to follow me on Instagram at andymakes underscore, you will have seen two videos this week of the knowledge bonds from this week's guest, Delaney Davis. Well, who is he? Delaney Davis is an entrepreneurial mindset coach He's obsessed with helping people find their compass, get laser focused in the right direction and magnify their productivity there. He works with creatives, entrepreneurs and game changers. He likens himself to a professional athlete coach, but rather than performing in the gym, he helps you to perform in your life. He works with multi-passionate people to overcome possibility paralysis, create a plan of attack for goals and objectives and to empower them with the superpowers they need to lead their business to the next level. Can you see why I'm excited, people? Um, yeah, without delay, let's roll the intro. It's been said that social enterprises are 10 times harder to build. You're not only seeking financial sustainability, but also environmental, social, and cultural sustainability. It can be a minefield. There are many social innovators taking the leap and pursuing the dream. What are the tools, experiences, and mindsets that drive them? Why are they doing it, and how do they stay the course? That's the job of this podcast, Impact Sessions, a podcast dedicated to unpacking the leaps of faith of social innovators and creating a resource for the next wave. I'm your host, Andy Crow. Let's get the session started. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I, was, I, I was thinking lots. Um, I probably re- prepared more for this one than um, before others have done. Um, and one of the things I felt like the reason I needed to is... Um, I feel a bit cheeky um, because you're a coach, you're a mindset coach, um, you train people, um, you train me, you're, you're one of my coaches. And um, yeah, and obviously there's a value to your time. Um, and so, yeah, really appreciate, um, yeah, with, you know, understanding like what you do and what you're trying to do for a living. Um, so super appreciative, yeah, of you making this time uh, to have a chat. Andy. <laughs> <laughs> cool man um yeah I, I think like i'm just gonna start, yeah we're just gonna start randomly um and so one of the things i think that'd be awesome um because and because it's this this is the first season of the podcast um a lot of the people on here i've met before um you know we've only chatted online um but it was a pretty crazy experience you know doing bounce and um yeah, and sort of and kickstarting, you know, some of like my new thinking and my new way forward. Um, so I don't want to make a lot of assumptions, but um, for people who haven't uh, hopped on Delaney's Daily, for people who haven't heard of Bounce, um, who are you and um, how do you make the most of the time that you have? Two very broad questions. Who are you and how do you spend your day? Um, who am I? So I am a mindset trainer and coach, predominantly working with entrepreneurs and high performers. Um, my journey to that has been through my own entrepreneurial journeys and my own notions. And through working with a lot of accelerator programs and startup programs, I sort of saw a core problem keep emerging, as you know, is that the biggest thing holding back innovation, ideas, collaboration, all that isn't not having the right strategy or having the right anything. It's not having the right mindset behind it. And often everything entrepreneurial based isn't, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. It's all fear based. 
So if we can coach people through those limiting beliefs and those fears, like who knows what innovations we can come about. And that's where Bounce was born. So Bounce was a program that I co-founded with Bryony McKenzie. And it's a mashup of a whole bunch of entrepreneurial mindset work, life mindset work, startup methodologies and lean methodologies and all those just mashed together to create more powerful entrepreneurs and get things moving because nothing changes or shifts reality like action, which is a big mantra of bounces, taking rapid action. Yeah. And your second um, question, how do I spend my day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So for me, it's that very much high performance is quite key for me and that daily consistency, which is so hard. For so many people because with yeah. changing weathers and changing environments and every single day you don't know how you're feeling so i prioritize my mornings to get me as consistent as possible because i really believe that how we spend our days is how we spend our lives so for me my daily rituals is always make my damn bed go exercise meditate journal and that kicks out my day beautifully into high gear oh awesome and um i'm gonna latch on to something you said because i feel like it's a it's an epic segue into what I feel is like, um, so yeah, like the, like there's a, there's a big, there's a massive reason, like, I guess, like I asked you to jump on here. Um, and so like a big focus or, you know, um, thing, like, I guess I want to create and put out is like what drives in social innovators. Um, and so 90% of the rest of the, so I, I like 11 of the 12 episodes I'm doing are people who are in the, in the trenches. Um, and obviously, um, you know, their perspectives are unique to them. Um, but you're uniquely placed as someone who is helping people find the drive and then try and make stuff happen. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an example of that. And, you know, National Tech Library is an example of that, um, which I haven't spoken about yet. But, um, what you said, you said, um, you know, how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. Um, and that was probably one of my, you know, the one for me that stood out from Bounce is how you do anything is how you do everything. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I sort of like wanted to, um, yeah, I was wondering if we could like sort of jump in on that. Um, and like, why is that? Like, you know, um, why is it that, you know, if I choose, you know, to, watch another episode on Netflix and not finish, like not create the invoice or I choose to, you know, um, play the Xbox game and not do my, do our food budget. Like, why does that impact my business? Like, I know it does, but is there stuff that's like, you know, that you've seen that makes that, you know, that mantra true? In terms of how you do anything is how you do everything. It's, yeah. it's, it's really seems to come up in every single area of life, right? That That's the notion of it, is that if you finish, say, do you leave a sip of your tea, for example, and that sort of, do you not take the final step across past the finish line or do you stop on the finish line or just before the finish line and you're exercising or whatever? And that simple behavior notion just seems to actually be core evidence to everywhere else in your life. I found myself personally that, um, I have old stories of um, even when I was a perform- high-performance athlete is that not finishing strongly. And I found that even in my training today, like recently trying to get up, I recently finally got up a, ha- a mountain I've been running up consistently trying to get to the top. And I always find myself just finishing short. 
And that notion of how you do anything, how you do everything, and just sort of ricocheted across my entire life, particularly my working life, realizing that I was building projects 90% of the way and then stopping. Because how you do anything is how you do everything. And for me, I saw a huge shift, even just recently, where I finally made it to the top of Ruapaki yeah. Mountain in one go. And then that day, I finished three projects. I just finished <laughs> the final 10% of them, all just because I put myself in that behavioral notion of completion. And you can nudge yourself into this behavior by knowing that how you do anything is how you do everything. That means if you do something really small, really well with all your freaking effort, you'll do the big stuff really well with all your freaking effort. And it's just, oh, yeah, it's crazy. It's just <laughs> once, once you see it and understand the notion, yeah, it's yeah. everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, like if you're a bit messy, you're all of a sudden a bit messy, you know. Ah, ah. Oh, man, the example for me is, um, is I don't struggle to finish my cup of tea or coffee, but I leave it on the bench right on top of where the dishwasher is. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't put, I don't like put it into the dishwasher where it's actually going to get cleaned. Um, and I and I uh, I'm not sure if you've seen the video um, of the guy who um, I think he's living with his partner or his wife, and he just he tells a story about how he just leaves stuff somewhere, and then magically it reappears where he needs it later on. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's a real life, you know, my wife picks up a lot of the 10%. Um, so, yeah, probably went, oh, yeah, always seem to get deep with you, Delaney. Uh, <laughs> um, have you, like, so I guess, like, following on from that, have you, is there something that, you know, that pops up particularly for social, for people doing social impact or social innovation in that final 10%? You know, does there seem to be something that, like, um, yeah, like where, so I think I don't want to give an example, I guess, but or maybe I will. Like, as I know, when I was first starting out, the social aspect of you know the social enterprise um, was ninety percent of my focus, you know, and it didn't shift, you know, obviously that project or didn't become sustainable to the point that I needed it to, um, mm. and then yeah, um, I was just wondering if there's if there's a 10% that you see that pops up lots for people. Yeah, 100%. Uh, 10%. <laughs> um, so, something that even I experienced my own journey was that how could I possibly expect to have impact on the world if I'm incongruent with myself? What I mean by that is how can I change the world if I'm not changing myself? How could I make a better positive world but if I don't feel better and positive about myself? Because everything starts with you. And that's sort of the biggest thing, again, holding back innovation and holding back social good is because self-worth and their own self-worth. Why the hell should I recycle if I don't, you know, feel good about myself? I know it's not really a good metaphor example, but everything starts with you. And that 10% yeah. push is often incongruency, which, again, is a bit of a hard thing in the social impact world because you can't be perfect. Nothing is perfect. Imperfection is perfection, really. So if you're trying to build a social enterprise that says is the um, the ultimate eco-friendly drink bottle, but then you, you know, in a rush at a cafe, all of a sudden have to grab a quick pump bottle before your meeting or whatever, and instantly you're incongruent and instantly it's just like chaos in your brain. And it's that like we need to be our true authentic selves 
and believe in what we're doing and practice what we're doing with our actions and they'll drive us to finish what we're completing. So yeah. actions, actions, congruent actions with your mission in everyday life will help you get over that 10% and starting with you. Wow, so many answers. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it all starts with you. The final yeah. 10%. If you want to have impact on the world, you need to have impact on yourself. Perfect. That's my answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And because, um, you know, I guess um, in doing, I, I'm, yeah, like I follow you on, on Instagram and you got to like Delaney's dance. Getting all um, tongue twisted. Um, Delaney's daily happening. Um, and a big thing that I guess that comes up, and you mentioned it directly in some of your posts, but is that the match between, you know, I guess like the psychology and I'd almost say like anthropology, so like how we see ourselves in community. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, and I guess like what a the question I guess from that is, um, yeah, another thing that that I learned about was the whole, and it's popped up again everywhere else was the. You know, you're the sum of the five people that are closest to you. Mm. Um, and so, you know, if I'm, I've got this project, I've got this idea, I've got this initiative. Um, who am I looking to take with me to like make that a thing? If it needs Often, to be a thing. Oftentimes, there's a few ways you can look at it. And one is like yourself three years ago is a brilliant person you should communicate to. Because those are the pers- those are the people that have come to this conclusion, much like you have. All of a sudden, for myself, caring about um, say mindset work and very much the, the wholehearted belief of going to the darker places in our lives to build on those is a great place to start. And then for me, reflecting on who I was three years ago is exactly who we should be communicating to. If you have all of a sudden come to this big realization that I'm vegan because of this reason, you need to you can go back and find your yourself three years ago. Because one thing, you know yourself pretty well. You know how to scratch your own itch metaphorically in terms of who you're serving and the impact you want to have. And if you want to help everyone, you'll help no one. So if, when it comes to choosing who to serve, serve yourself. And that comes down to, again, that congruency of yeah, yeah. who should I be to bring this to the world and how do I communicate to myself to drive this action. So for me, it's like being your authentic self will help create what the impact you're trying to have. And just to throw in a sort of bit of metaphysics for this, is that like attracts like. If you are being your true authentic self, the person that wants to have the impact, you will attract people that want to have the impact just like you. So again, it all comes back to you. Who are you being? How are you showing up? What does your presence mean for people so they can... Like attracts like and come to you and get on board with your mission. It all starts with you again. Sorry. There's yeah. no big fancy brand or logo you can put out away from yourself. It all starts yeah. with you. Do you do you find that like that's a hard truth for people doing social impact to learn? That because hmm. you know, like because it could feel selfish to focus on yeah. yourself. It's, it's an interesting balance because it's it's not about me, me, me. I'm doing this amazing work. I'm saving the world because that's ego. And that ego is actually holding back so much innovation because it's it's a chaotic combination in the social enterprise world of saving the world looks good. 
you looking good makes you safe. And again, tying into that anthropology, if you're saving the world and looking good doing it, you want to protect that identity. And oftentimes it means you won't work with someone else. I've sat in a room mediating between two older women leading the exact same charity, helping Malaysian women get into universities. They were literally doing the exact same thing in the exact same university. They had two different standing charities, two different enterprises, and they refused to work together. They couldn't even see the idea that they were both trying to solve the same problem. And this in the social impact world is, is actually quite bad because I see it's important to have different channels of innovations, but when everyone's trying to serve the same mission but refusing to work together, it's just a waste of energy. And yeah. it comes down to that individuality and also we all suck at asking for help. Like, Particularly yeah. men, like that modern masculinity is evolving to be more open to asking for help. But a simple notion of like, how good is it to help someone? Like if someone asks us for help, I guarantee like eight out of 10 people say, yeah, I'd help them. And then it'd be yeah. like, cool. Would you ask for help? Oh God, no, no, no. I would never ask for help. It's horrible. It's weak. So it's that individuality within Social impact is important and understanding who, you're, who you are and being congruent with that and being vulnerable enough to be that authentic self. And then again, being vulnerable again and asking for help will, will just expand your impact so much more. Because it's not about getting someone to do it for you. It's about inviting yeah. them on the journey and finding your tribe and building your impact together. Yeah, it's not Because again, it's that hero, hero entrepreneurship as well is steeping into the social impact world where it's like, wow, look at Steve Jobs. He did all that amazing work or Elon Musk, all that amazing work, but he didn't do a single thing on his own. But we yeah. pray, we praise that individuality. Yeah. No, awesome, man. And, um, and this is, this is why I did the disclaimer at the beginning. Um, because I know this is your work and I just feel like, oh man, heaps, heaps of value. Um, but I'll stop apologizing for it because you did choose to show up. So thank you so much again. <laughs> Love it. Um, and I, what I liked about what you just said is, um, is, uh, like, it's just like, it's super consistent. Like, I love the way that you explain it. And, you know, even like the metaphysics stuff, you know, like attracting like. Um, and one of the questions like I've been contemplating lately is, um, you know, like, I want to do this. I'm sort of, I guess, this is me three years ago. Actually, no, it's probably more like 10 years ago. And then discovering it over those years, which is like, I want to do impact work. Um, I am creative, like, and I've like embraced this fact that like, I, like ideas and stuff, you know, to the thing behind the thing pops up for me. Um, and, but like, the challenge of like hit like do I need to start my own thing, mm. um, or like how do I like navigate that tension? Um, so for me, like you know, National Tech Library is super interesting in that I know that you know a lot of big brands, um, yeah, like like I can't see how I don't start that. You know what I mean? Because no one, I I don't see anyone doing it. You know, it's either a subscription box or it's a lease thing or you know, and all of them line up to like a massive cost over time um and so i don't i don't see that solution anywhere else 
Um, but for example, the workshops are run with young people. Um, there's so many people doing that, and there's so many people who, yeah, like, um, I admire in that space. Um, but for some reason, like, I'm still, I'm still struggling. Not struggling, mm-hmm. but like, um, I guess just where's the, like, is there a way that you've thought about, you know, like you shared the story about the two ladies, um, about this whole thing of like, yeah, having to start your own thing, because that's the hero entrepreneurship story mm-hmm. again. You know, like, yeah, I'm not sure if it's the question. The, I, I, I hear you. So the, the two ladies story I gave is, is more not on the idea of that you, sh- you shouldn't start a social impact movement that someone's already doing. That's not the fact. The, the fact that those two women in particular was that their egos had completely blinded them to the idea. They couldn't even see or accept that this other person was doing the same impact. And that was holding them both back because yeah. they, their impact was, was stagnant. But because within that impact world, often people, particularly young entrepreneurs, they have this beautiful idea. They have this beautiful social impact vision they have. Google it. Damn, someone's already doing it. And that's just like, that's stupefied. That stops people. That just completely stops yeah. them. But, and that's going at it from a solution base. Where it's like yeah, someone's totally. already built a sustainable hat company and they're selling it on Instagram. Damn, I can't do it. Or someone's already building a new next big platform to do the next big thing. But the thing is, is that that's going about it the wrong way. And if we want to have impact, we can't be in love with a solution. We have to be in love with the problem. Yes, yeah. And much like all the problems you saw, Andy, from Tech Library and how that became a thing, is because you fell in love with the problem. You keep seeing the problem again and again and again and again. Yeah. And then the solution naturally appeared and evolved itself. So yeah. if someone's got an idea or a problem they have in the social impact world and they see something out there already existing in the world, that is a damn good thing because it means someone spent all the time, effort, and money validating it. And yeah. then all you need to do is look at it and say, cool, how do I do that better? How do I do that easier? And then you just do it. And then showing you're in love with the problem is so important. And I feel like, yeah. Andy, that perhaps within Tech Library, are you feeling that the, the problem is evolving or? No, so it's not. So the Tech Library was an, was an example, I think, of like, of like there wasn't even a thing like it. Do you know what I mean? Um, yes. So there's examples of how it does work for like bigger purchases, like procuring a, a projector or a touchscreen TV, you know, and then you do a lease model. Um, but there wasn't a way for like a school. Um, so for me, like I, I've like, you know, I like naming things. So like the tagline for me is, um, that, that took a few iterations and, um, and yeah, access to tech without the hefty price tag, you know, um, I, they went through a whole bunch of iterations and when it landed and when I showed people that line, I was just like, it just clicked in their head. Um, and so, and that's the problem that I was solving, like that, um, yeah, like schools are struggling to access technology or even just taste it before they, you know, bought the whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my role is more like, you know, the sampler guy in Countdown than, <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, standing on the stage like Steve Jobs and selling the next new invention. Um, and then the other thing that I was like, I wanted to touch on was like, when you fall in love with a problem, like you understand, actually you get a view of all the different ways you can solve it. And that's, 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 
a thing that I struggle to communicate the most with tech library because people haven't done that journey. They haven't put something out, seen like a whopping zero, you know, in the response column, and then did the same idea essentially with a, with a different language and then have a totally different outcome. Does that make sense? Um, so like, yeah, I think, yeah, um, like when we tested tech library, um, I had was mind your own tech was the first idea. Um, and that was the idea that um, some schools, yeah, had resources sitting, sitting, you know, sitting around um, and they could make money back on that and then buy new stuff um, by leasing it to other schools. And then that, that would have meant that I didn't have to commit to buying a whole lot of gear. Um, so I put myself actually in the driver's seat with that solution. I learned, actually just realized that right now. I put myself um, as the person who benefits from that the most. Um, and there was no response to it. And then when I changed it to tech library, where all of the risk, you know, essentially was on this platform. Um, yeah, like I get, I get a couple things from my type form. I sent one tweet out. I sent two tweets out during bounce, which finished in May. Wow. Yeah. And so like, and I haven't really socialized it much. Um, and yeah, there's a people are people are finding it, you know. Um, and and the reason I haven't like done that is because yeah, I was trying to solve the whole money thing. I feel like I've gone off my own on my own tangent here. Um, but yeah, essentially. But it's, like, it's yeah. important to touch on though is that yeah. you created you created an evolved tech library through language before you even did anything. Exactly. That then yeah. finally clicked and validated the solution for your impact. In the lowest form of effort and cost and price. Yeah, and I remember because um, we were doing Slack messages, and if you remember that, and I was like, oh yeah, I was, I was saying but 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 you know, um, and then put the I put the <laughs> I put the tweet out, and then yeah, within 24 hours, I learned more than my, my ability to strategize, um, and then the following week, um, because before actually pitching it, you know, we understood the problem, did the whole ideation thing. And so I had 46 ideas. I got 45 now sitting, you know, 44 on the sheet, you know, in my office. The tech library falls over to still solve this problem. Um, and that's, I think that's where I was starting. Yeah. That's the thing I've struggled to communicate is that, you know, people see tech library and they see the thing, or you might see the Uber, you might see, you know, um, pledge meal, you might see ethic or banker. Um, and you see the, the presentation, um, but you don't actually see, um, the love for the problem and actually the work of the language, right? Of the, the understanding of the people they're serving, um, to communicate it in a way where you're like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. And so, yeah. And so that's probably for me where I've come to like, you know, pulling it back to, you know, whether or not I start my own thing is I'm going, has anyone identified this problem? And there's a whole lot of like salespeople I spoke to and they say they can't get away from because they've got, you know, their company brand on their shirt over there, you know, their left lapel. Um, there's a sales guy coming through. Whereas they see me, this guy who was a teacher and everything about how Tech Library shapes up serves teachers first. It looks like it serves students more than teachers, but it serves yeah. teachers first. And I just know that about the system. Yeah. Know? So isn't that amazing, Andy, that you started a product 
or a service that is, again, scratching your own itch sort of three years ago when you were a teacher. Because yeah. you know yeah. that person, you understand that human psyche so much more and the problem wholeheartedly. And that creates a real turning point to pop out a solution. Who knows what it could look like? Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, cool, man. And um, so we'll change tech a little bit. Um, we, we talked a little bit about um, a little bit about your journey to coaching. Um, and so the questions like how I've got it down is like, how did you get here? And um, and this is actually based on um, another mantra from Bounce, such as what got you here won't get you there. Um, mm. So how did you get here? And then what's driving you forward in your work? How did I get here? Um, it, it's definitely stemmed in my studying of psychology. Um, and that sort of awakens you quite rapidly to the social constructs that have evolved around our lives, that we are not what we think, but we are what we think. We're separate from our thoughts and we can create any reality we want. And going along my own journey of, of a lot of setbacks in terms of my own mental health, my own many failures in life from careers to startups that was inaugurated to creating quite a strong resilience and experience in a lot of things in my life. And within within coaching in particular, the the notion actually it's that classic thing of what everyone says you're good at and what you should be doing with your life and, and it's that when you see it, you can't unsee it. And yeah. I, I found myself in the last startup I was a part of that everything I was resisting, so I was getting always wanted to talk about how we were managing. I always wanted to talk about how we were communicating. I always wanted to talk about how we could be performing better at these tasks to deliver tasks. And I found my, my whole being was just so drawn to those topics within the business, within our start startup. And my real role, which was focused on growth and marketing, I was just so uninspired and unenthralled by it. And I loved talking and coaching my team on their lives and how they could perform better and completing their tasks. And then I'd go off and do my task and just be like unenergized and bored. And it yeah. took me so long to finally check and understand what was giving me energy in my life and what was draining my energy. I thought because, because of, you know, I'd studied marketing as well and I've had 10 years in marketing and promotions that that's what I have to do because I've spent all this time doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, for me to, I literally had my first holiday this summer, my first holiday I've ever had in my entire adult life because I've just been startups, social enterprises, studying, working, go, 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 go. I got back from the break and went back into our startup and within two weeks I was burned out. And I was like, cool, something's wrong here. And it yeah. was that me not being congruent was what really brought me energy and really sparked my soul, which was coaching and empowering yeah. and inspiring others. And then through that, I then just said, cool, I'm sorry, I have to leave the startup. And I just dove into my own personal development journey to heighten that because I knew that there's no way I could properly communicate and inspire others with just my experience. I needed some, to learn some tools and learn some frameworks and also deep dive into myself, um, yeah. which was quite an insane journey. And it's almost like unrecognizable 
even just for you to say that the first round of bounce finished in May, I'm like, wow, so much has happened in four months of my life. But um, that understanding, understanding what really brings you energy is quite a good sign of finding your purpose and your direction and, and also just being that super, super curious and being willing to try on different hats in my life has driven me to create who I am now. And knowing that every single hat I did try on has all amalgamated and mashed together to be who I am now. From marketing to coaching to business to startup to blah, 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 blah. All mashed together to break, make me who I, I am now. Yeah, and so um, before we go in there, like, because I guess it's a lot of what's driving you forward too. Um, but I want to jump on um, like energy and the question for me is like, how do you recognize that frequency that's like, mm. that's pinging at you? Um, you know, and I like, for me, like, you know, even listening to you, I get to reflect on my own stuff and why like National Tech Library, even though I haven't given it a lot of attention and focus, um, mm. resonates. And the funny thing for me is like, um, I got, I got three or four people in my life who call me and they know for a fact that like it's not my area of like expertise, but they always take the punt that I might have read something on it, like mm. always. And for some reason, I have. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so this idea, yeah, like for me of like being a like resource person, mm. has become like the energizing thing of what I do, um, of where I try and find. Yeah, like an educator. Um, yeah. And that's definitely like, and then, yeah, I get to like reflect on that and go, man, like you're also like super introverted. And then you have to like change your, like what that even means, right? It's just like, it's just where you're in it, like how you get pumped up, how you fill your tank. Um, you know, with my daughter, we read this book about, um, it's called Have You Been a Bucket Filler? Um, and yeah, so it's like, that's all the introversion, extroversion thing is. It's like, it's how you're resourcing yourself again for that next, you know, thing. Mm. Um, but I thought like it would be cool to hear from you, like, um, like how do we recognize the thing that gives us energy? Mm. I feel like it's a rhetorical question, but also I don't want to make assumptions, you know? Yeah. It's, so to me, it's like you have to, you have to sort of understand I guess the physics before you can change the, the engineering. You have to really understand how our metaphysical brain, everything works, right? And for me to, where my journey started was through psychology and understanding that, say, fear and excitement are two, in our brains or in our current minds, is that those are two very different feelings. But to our bodies, they are the exact same. It's just a flush of cortisol. If you ask a professional athlete, are you nervous before the game? They'll say, no, I'm excited. You ask an amateur, are you nervous? I'll say, no, I'm shitting my pants. So they're both having the exact same literal physiological response. Yeah. Now, for me, that I'm still trying to come up with a, with a new language for it. But, you know, that fear, that, that thing in your gut where it's like, holy shit. Ah, that, that initial rush of fear is your body getting you ready for action. It is sharpening your eyes, sharpening your ears, getting you the blood pumping, getting you... And it's that lack of taking action with that feeling is what sets in the behavior that I'm not meant to be doing this. 
so that channeling your energy, it's not going to necessarily be some positive, airy, fairy, fluffy thing. You're going to feel sick to your freaking stomach. And you're going to be like, yeah. oh, no, this is going to be sick. This is, oh, God. And then you just got to lean into that and take rapid action. Because yeah. it's that, that, oh, what's a good quote here? That the cave we fear to enter is where the treasure we seek lies. And that's some old notion of, it sounds like Yoda, but it's definitely not. I think it's like George <laughs> Phillips or something. But it's like where we fear the most is where the most growth lives for our souls, is where we can most stretch and go into. So when you're trying to find that thing or your passion, it's that being curious with that fear. Like why is this person talking to me making me feel quite fearful? Because like, they're talking about something that I'm quite wildly passionate about. They that screwed up education systems or whatever we're working with. Yeah. And you just yeah. gotta lean in that, lean into that what's perceived as a negative energy and roll with it. And another emotion just to just to tip just to tap off this one is anger. Yeah. Anger again is labeled so negatively. But it's where most of our passions lie. I tell I tell a lot of people that want to start doing writing or blogging or anything, like start with something that pisses you off. Because I guarantee you, those T's are going to just go hard. And it's, again, tapping into those negatively labeled emotions and just reframing them as fear is excitement and anger is passion. And just rekindling those and re-passion those and driving forward into it. And it's scary as hell, but you just got to... It is, man. And I, um, um, and I guess the thing, like, and I wonder if other people experience that listening in the future or now. Because um, mm-hmm. you were talking through that, and then you said, "Oh, you get this feeling in your gut," and I was like, "I just had that feeling around rethinking again, you know, like National Tech Library, or um, I also quit one of my jobs um, during a bounce, and because you can't see the future, right? Like, um, but you have this thing that you need to try and do. Um, yeah, the the whole difference between you know fear and excitement or anxiety, even stress." Um, all triggered by cortisol. Um, yeah, it's super interesting, man. Um, what we'll do is, um, we had a couple of things. And one thing, um, I really wanted you to talk about because, um, I know it's been like, you know, based off some of the Instagram posts that you've been doing, it's been a big part of the journey. And that's been figuring out sleep. Um, and ah. I know it's one of, yeah, one of the things that you, um, yeah, I'm not sure if, it, if passion's the right word, but it's definitely, like, uh, what's the thing? It's the thing you've, like, uncovered and unpacked that, um, yeah, like, how can, how can I not tell people about this? That's the sense I get when, when I see your, your writing or your post about sleep. Um, and yeah, just wanted to, yeah, the take on sleep. <laughs> sleep. Sleep. Sleep by far has been like, the reason I'm quite passionate about it again is because it was just one of those journeys and angry things that I just could never get. The second I left home, it just plagued me. It was just, wow, I was yeah. such a chronic insomnia for, for years, years and years and years and years and years. And I've done every single experiment you could possibly think of. I even had a professor at university like zap my brain with a, a magnetic cranial stimulation to try wow, and like, yeah dampen down my stimulation. And anyway, I've done many, many literal experiences to, to harness my sleep. And 
again, it's that like it's that it's that unbeknown superpower that we all have. It's literally our body's best effort at immortality. So every time going to sleep, our body is healing. It is it is pruning down our brains and collaborating everything we've learned that day and really cementating everything. And it's so stupidly crucial. And so many people are struggling with it right now more than ever. And the biggest thing I've seen what people are struggling with is where's my do I have a prop? <laughs> no, don't have my phone. Phone, screen. It's been a big one. Is again, yeah. you know, I'm quite awesome passionate about being digital and deliberate and the use of technology. And that's been again one of the fun one of the biggest game changers for me is like less screen time after hours. Like an hour before bed, I'm off my phone. Like Phone is off outside of the room. Get an OG alarm clock that goes off. No phone, no okay. tech, and that that just kicks in your cocaine rhythm to just let your eyes and your body know that stimulation time is over, the screen time is over, and it just winds you down nicely. It calms your nervous system down because with that mobile phone, even if it's in your room, the nervous system is firing. It's saying, "I want stimulation. I want there. I want connection. I want social connection. I want new information. I want all this." Just being near it and, and having phones in our rooms is frying our brains and frying us from sleeping. <laughs> Consciously, all it wants is stimulation and connection. And that's yeah. like honestly keeping a lot of people awake is that notion. Yeah. And, and it's about really being tech savvy, literally, and also just mindful of your body and your brain. And again, it's that keeping your phone out of your room. It's also about ensuring that your bed, your environment, is a cue for sleeping. That's been the other game changer for me. Put free tech, less tech, and then also ensuring that my environment is my sleep zone. Now, much like say, what's a good example? You walk into the bathroom, right, to brush your teeth, and all of a sudden you need to pee. Good example. Yeah. Most people understand that. That's that's environmental cue at play. Your brain, you've walked into a room, and your body goes, "Oh, this is where we relieve ourselves," and it wants to go. Now, we can train ourselves in the same way to associate our bedroom with sleep every single time. And the way to do that is to just ensure that stimulation and other sort of distractions are out of there. I don't lie in your bed watching Netflix. Even if it's like Sunday midday, we need to train our minds and our bodies like a freaking dog that this bed means sleep. And we can easily do that. It's just about, you know, getting out of your room and just making it a nice, clean, tidy, safe space to cue and associate that it means sleep. Tech-free, environmental. And if those things don't work enough, because those are by far the easiest to implement, that's simply doing less, you can start doing things, which again is like ensuring you're exercising up a storm, you're eating, stop eating like three hours before bed, no caffeine eight hours before bed. And the game-changing supplement, which I'm sure you're starting to see in every single pharmacy right now, is magnesium. I couldn't stress it enough that magne- magnesium supplement is best thing for your buck to go to F to sleep. But awesome. that's like last resort stuff, you know. Start with the easy stuff. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And this um, reminds me of actually just recently I've been looking at um, is it David Allen, the Get Things Done guy? Um, oh yeah. And he took and he talks about how um yeah, our our brains are like horrible organizers because the one idea was and I think it was you to the point like when you talked about, you know, if our phone's close like we want stimulation. 
um, is that our brains can't actually tell the time. So you wake up in the middle, you know, you wake up in the middle of the day, or not in the middle of the night, and it's like, oh, I need to get bread and milk, you know. And by having your phone there, which is where a lot of, like, you know, our modern-day productivity stuff happens, um, as soon as you get into that rhythm of sleep or that space, like, you know, things are going to pop up and they're going to, um, yeah, sort of kick you out and the stimulus is going to kick in. Um, so, yeah. That's why, um, that's why again, again, for that, you're, you're right. Your brain doesn't know what time it is. So you have to train it on time. And the best way to train it on time for sleep is daily consistency. Like, it doesn't matter if it's the weekend or the weekday. Even for myself, I've eliminated the notion of a weekend. That's sort of the perk of working for yourself is I kind of Wednesday's actually a bit of a break day. I have the morning off and then Sundays usually I do a little something. But it's that getting up and going to bed at the exact same time every single day and you'll find within about six days, even less sometimes, you're already starting to wake up and watch your alarm go off. Like you are your body is rapid at getting in sync. And then the average time to actually form that habit is sixty six days. So I'd highly recommend doing like a sixty six day streak where every night and every morning you're crossing off when you're going to bed yeah. and getting up at the exact same time. And that, again, is like, that requires a lot of self-discipline, but it will set you free. Like, it'll just set you free. You'll just be like, out, up, out, up at the exact same time. It's game-changing. And you won't even need an alarm. Yeah. Um, and one thing I think I'll, I'll do is, um, in the show notes, especially some of the different show notes in the show, but, um, <laughs> Well, um, yeah, if you go any links around some of the stuff that you, you're putting out for people to pick up, um, mm. yeah, we'll, we'll get that happening. Um, so, um, I've got, I've got four questions. We're going to finish on these. Um, so the first one, um, what's one impact organization you think everybody should know about? I think an impact organization everyone should know about would, the first one that comes to mind is sort of a plug because I'm part of the founding team, but um, choice, choice to pay. They are a beautiful Kiwi example of a very, very big problem and a very, very bold, audacious solution to solve it. And that's around um, so many charities and the, and the money being so overwhelmed and where should it go, how should we get there, and the amount of people donating is decreasing. Um, big tech companies jumping on New Zealand you know, small merchants and taking a lot of fees from banks to payment systems and just mobile payment solutions becoming the future. So putting all those crazy, there's a lot of variables together from payment systems to merchants to charities to consumers all together to create choice, which is a new mobile payment solution where you pay with your QR code and 50% of the transaction fee goes to a charity of your choice. And it's just a couple of beautiful Kiwis, Alex McCall, Ozzy Amir, Fraser McConnell, Sam Ryan, all going big dreams, big visions to change the way we pay and change the way we all have impact every single day. I think it's game changer. So choice, choice to choice to pay dot com or choice to pay dot co dot nz. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll figure it out and uh, stick it the second link into the in the, in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds choice to me. Sorry about that, guys. Um, um, I have a feeling I know the answer to this one. Um, the book that's had the biggest impact on your life. Ah, do you, do you feel like you know the answer? I think so. You read about it. it. What? The Daily Stoic? Yes! <laughs> so it has evolved to the Daily Stoic for sure by yeah. Ryan Hollande because it's a beautiful combination of 
you know, that philosophical Stoic philosophy from even Nietzsche, the German philosopher, Epictetus, Marcus Aurelius, all inaugurated once, one little daily prompt, and then it sort of translated into how you can take action. Amazing. That, that originally started from Marcus Aurelius Meditations. So. My brother, my brother gifted me that book when I was like, maybe like 17. I was like, oh, it's this fluffy stuff. Uh, philosophy. Blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, it changed my life and completely stemmed the path. And yeah, it's the, the best takeaway I can take from any stoic philosophy is that like accepting what is in our control and releasing what isn't. And even like the simple notion of the weather, like right now, yeah. Christchurch is overcast and raining. And I can't control that, so I'm not going to let it affect my mood. And that's sort of like the fundamentals that stock philosophy can really give for you, is that freedom from our rapid emotional state changing. Yeah, yeah. That, oh, it's quite, quite calming. It's good, good methodologies to understand and learn. Daily Stock by Ryan Holiday. Check it out in the show notes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Three links. <laughs> okay, we've got two more questions. Um, we might have covered this, but... The single biggest piece of advice you'd give younger Delaney if you were to start all over again? Um, a, a notion I've started to understand, and even just as humans, we we definitely like the anticipation of a reward or completing something more than the more than completing it, and like coin this term it's like the, the arrival fallacy like when we finally get there we never actually sit there and enjoy the moment when we finally send that scary email to that client we don't go yes it did it we just sort of your brain instantly kicks into the next there that's full of yeah, yeah. so it's like for me it's that what I would give younger Delaney self is that like celebrate every single small win and celebrate every single big one and just be more present right now. There's nowhere to get to. There's nowhere to get to but here and now. Like, just be here, be now, be present. Like, I guarantee, oh, I don't know if this will be a recording, but I cracked, I cracked up the other day during seeing a, um, someone on a, on a video interview and he's adopted this back into his life. That old classic chummy cheering with your double fist over each yeah, shoulder. Yeah. And I was like, oh, we need to do more of that in my life. So I'd tell younger Delaney to do that. Celebrate each more small wins more and more. Fantastic. Be, be pretty. Okay. Um, and then the last one um, is a project idea or initiative that you're working on that you want others to know about. Wow. Project idea or initiative I'm working on. Mm. Service, project, uh, course. What do you want people to know about? We want people to know that. Um, wow, this one's got me because I've just we've got so many things I love boiling and working on. Definitely that notion of um, a new program that I will be running and running is, is that high-performing modern masculinity. And like, what can that look like? From high-performing habits to being more of a leader, to having more influence, to being better with your partners and relationships, and just that what can we create the new modern masculinity to be? Because the old paradigms is pretty shit in terms of, you know, we work to the bone. We don't talk about how we're thinking or feeling. We just sit there and shut up and get on with things. We're not allowed to take sustainable grocery bags because it challenges our masculinity and just shit like that. It's just outrageous. And how can we understand what it means to be human 
and be more balanced and be more powerful every day in our leadership and our communications and everything and just be better men. Because we had this beautiful uprising of femininity where they're now tapping into that masculine energy and driving with their careers and driving with work. And then they're also being very feminine and keeping their creative expressions and connecting with nature and being beautiful and balanced. And we're just in there going, hey, what about us, yo? What are we up to with our lives? We're a bit overwhelmed and a bit, you know, a bit disheartened with the current state of the world. And it's about time that we sort of rekindle that and, and get a bit more of a fiery passion and, and leadership within us. Now, I'm not saying that men need sensitivity training to be more feminine. I'm just saying we need more modern leadership training to step into our power in a positive way because there's a lot of shit going down that's not really putting men in a positive light right now and we need to sort of rekindle that positive energy and the, and the drive and determination that we do have and challenge to something values-aligned, purpose-driven and powerful that we can deliver. So that, let's, let's evolve men's consciousness to be more powerful modern leaders. Awesome. And if I was to, so, and then where would I find out about that or where would I be looking to stay connected hey, to? Because I have a unique name, I get DelaneyDavis.com, which is amazing. And yeah. then there's also, as you mentioned a few times, Delaney's Daily on Instagram, which yeah. I, the, I wish my name started with like an M, so I only have to do stuff monthly. But yeah, I try and get on there daily <laughs> and share some powerful habits, hacks, communication tricks, communication calls, yeah. deep spiritual connection, philosophical woo-woo-ness, anything I can get my hands on. I generally blare it out there. It's amazing. I love it. Awesome. Thank you um, so much for your time. Um, and yeah, love your work, love what you're doing. And also... Um, I was thinking about how to describe you, and you mentioned some of the words, which was empowering, and I think enabling's one. But I think you also energize people, um, and yeah, that will be part. of I'm gonna record a separate sort of bio intro, but that will definitely be part of it. Um, wow. Yeah, you're an energizer. So um, yeah, thank you for your time. Amazing. Thank you, Andy. This is so much fun. <laughs> cool. You should do more of them. You. Um, uh, the knowledge bombs are yeah phenomenal. So uh, thanks for this podcast ever, man. I don't know. That's it for episode two of the Impact Sessions. My name's Andy Crow, and I really appreciate your time and attention on this podcast. In the future, I'm hoping to release a Q&A podcast. If you have any questions, please use the link in the show notes to yeah. Um, send us your questions and um, we'll use the audio in the show and um, yeah keen to hear what you have questions about after listening to our guests and if there's any way that i can help um, until next time peace